Hello, I'm Michelle Tassinari, your host for the California Staffing Professionals Visionary Thinkers Podcast, a series promoting excellence in the staffing and recruiting industry. In this podcast, we meet visionary thinkers and talk with them about their career and journey into staffing and recruiting. Along the way, we learn everything from how they started to where they are now. We uncover what inspired them and who helped them along the way. We dive into what challenges they've overcome and gain insight into how to be successful in the staffing and recruiting industry. I know you'll enjoy listening to these inspiring stories. Thank you for joining us. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. Today on CSP's Visionary Thinkers podcast, we have Joe Cummings, president of Royal Associates Royal Staffing. Joe started in the recruiting and staffing industry in 1988 as an account manager with ITT Employer Services. This was in direct hire. He later learned more about the temporary placement side of the business while he was at ITT. Joe moved on to Royal Associates Royal Staffing in August of 1989. He had various job titles during his tenure at Royal, and he worked his way up to the very top. And in 2004, he purchased the business. He has since developed clients throughout the U.S. and in Ireland. Every year since 2004, the company has been named within the top 10 staffing firms in the Los Angeles area. And Joe is a James R. Pierce Award recipient. So you're on two continents successfully, Joe. Can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, where you came from to get to here? Because I don't think you were born here. You have a little bit of an accent. I don't think I have an accent at all. What are you talking about? (laughs) I grew up in Astoria, Queens, New York. And after college, and a couple of years after college, and um, from Pace University, I decided to move to give my chance and see if I can get a job in California, in Los Angeles. I've always wanted to live here because, quite honestly, I got tired of the humid summers in New York and the freezing cold winters in New York. And California seemed to have great weather. So... I gave myself two weeks to find a job, and my first interview, I went to a staffing company called ITT Employer Services, thinking they can find me a job. Someone I knew referred me to them, and I met up with one of their, you know, direct hire recruiters, Sandy, and after five minutes of talking with her, she was from Brooklyn, I'm from Queens, she was in her heavy New York and smoked four packs of cigarettes a day accent, what about working here? I'm like, I don't want to do what you people do. You people steal from one and give to the other like Robin Hood. I don't want to do that. Then I shut my mouth, and I said, maybe this is your ticket out here, Joe. Shut up. So I did, and I met the branch manager, and um, that Friday, they made me an offer. And I started the following week for training, went back home, got my stuff, which was not much at 23 years old, and got an apartment, moved back here, and started working. On, as you mentioned earlier, doing direct hire placement. Um, and I didn't know how hard this business was. You know, you're calling up companies, and you know, does your company use staffing firms to fill your direct hire needs? And you hear no all the time. It's a no business. Then all of a sudden, you get somebody that says yes, and you don't know what to, you don't know how to, what to do. I wasn't trained when they say yes. <laughs> so I got a job board and I filled it. Um, but that was not until um, the following month. My first month of May of 88, I didn't know what I was doing. No one trained me that well. And um, I got a letter 
from the controller of the company saying I didn't need production. I have two more months to show production or I'm going to be out of there. That letter did not sit well with me and I got really good at recruiting. I was filling everyone's job orders. And I had an amazing month of June. Amazing. My paycheck was very big the following month. And my boss pulled me in and said, stop filling everyone else's um, open orders. Go spend four hours a day client development and four hours a day recruiting. You're not going to get clients by just doing recruiting. And she was right. So I took her advice and um, I did my four hours you know, telemarketing, four hours following up a client, you know, and client follow-up and recruiting. And I ended up liking the industry. Then I learned, as you mentioned, the temp side. And um, it's my heart still in direct hire placement. Temp is the fast-paced, always moving, always busy. My, my New York um, mentality liked that part of it. Then when I came to Royal in August of 89, which is 31 years next month, um, I liked the idea that I was given the, the freedom of doing both, temp placement, temp to hire placement, and direct hire placement. Then I um, liked the idea of going out to see clients um, and also coming back and filling the orders that I got. Um, then I went up to being branch manager of the Westlake Village office. Then I'm the vice president of branch operations. And then I was given the opportunity to purchase the company in July of 2004. And it's been great. Now, we all had the, the lovely downturn in 2009 and 10 because of the economy. Um, but we survived. We got stronger. We worked smarter and faster. And now we had multiple years of great success until March of this year with COVID-19. But there's so many ways that you can work things through, and you have to be out-of-the-box thinker to survive, not only in the staffing industry, but in any industry. You have to think of ways and how to get business in the door, and you have to keep on calling your clients. They have needs. You have to be there for them, and not just on the placement side, but giving them updates on what they need to do if they don't know with their offices you know, because of COVID. Um, I was helping other smaller clients of mine with their PPP um, loan information because I was getting it from, from CSP. And I was passing the knowledge I was getting off from CSP onto them, and they loved it. So you have to be more of a resourceful individual to survive and, and thrive in different situations we come up with. And one of the things that you are known for in the staffing industry is the relationships you build and how much you do share. And that, that's one of the reasons why we invited you today um, to speak on our podcast, um, because you've, you've given back so much to other people with all the, all the things you've done in the staffing industry and then also helping the communities out there. I think all your clients really enjoy working with you. But there must have been some time when you really, you said to yourself, now I'm really successful. Was it when you first got that big paycheck and then you've, you've had these different, these different hurdles you've gone over, uh, Joe, or was, was there a bigger time when you decided you'd purchase Royal Staffing? What was your, okay, now I'm successful. Or do you feel like you start off every morning successful and then at the end of the day go, uh-oh. You know, we all have great days and bad days. It, it, it's going to happen. And 
you know, the great days are luckily more, the good and great days are more than the bad days. But I always remember, I was with ITD at the time, and I had four, with one company, four direct hire placements pending. So what I did, when I learned from this mistake, I put my feet on the desk. I didn't work that hard, waiting for the um, placements to um, have a start date. And the company had a change and did not hire anyone. So now I'm scrambling. Oh, crap. I'll never do that again. (laughs) So you get back on the horse and you keep on going. And again, with any job you have, I think you're going to have the good and bad days and you have to get over them. And you have to keep on pushing through and finding, you know, if one client's driving you crazy, go get another one. So when did I, be, when did I feel I became successful? That first paycheck, you know, that I got in July of 88, that was pretty good. But I think you have to like what you do. To be successful, it's not only about money. It's about enjoying what you do. And I love helping a client find someone they can't find themselves. And I love the best part of the job is when you call that candidate and tell them they have a job. And they're thrilled. And you made their day and you changed their life. And for the better. And there's no better feeling that someone can save their house or, you know, pay their mortgage, pay their rent, feed their family because what you did. No other better feeling in the world than that. Um, And then for the client side, luckily, I do, I am pretty good at um, building relationships with the clients and the candidates. I have clients, multiple clients, that have been with me for over 25 years. And I'm grateful for it. And the applicants, you know, you treat an applicant well, get back to them with information that you found out about their interview for them and, and or to let them know, unfortunately, that they didn't get the job, they chose another candidate. You have to stay in touch with them and let them know what's going on because they know other people. And they will refer other good candidates to you. I remember... About a year ago, I was in my Westlake office, in my office, in the office, and um, my um, branch coordinator um, was talking to somebody out front, and they were asking for me, was Joe here? When I, my ears perked up, I said, may I tell him who's here? And he said his name, and I came out and went, God, your name sounds so familiar. Now you placed, are you Joe? I went, yeah. Well, you placed my mom. And I said, what's your mom's name? And he told me her name. And I'm thinking, who is that? (gasps) Oh, my God. She left the long-term temp job I had her working on because she was giving birth to you, (laughs) which was 21 years prior. So you keep the relationships going and people remember you. I have a great network, not only on LinkedIn, but on Facebook. On uh, email blast that I sent out to candidates for a hard to fill position to see if they knew anybody, know of anybody. And I would say my success ratio on those emails, I get at least 80% back saying, no, I don't know anybody, but how are you? Just keeping in touch. Keeping in touch with, with everyone you, you want to do business with. And that's how you measure your success is, is, mm-hmm. is, that that is it's not just about the money and of course the money follows it too yeah I mean, michelle 100 percent, 100 percent. and when i get the calls from other staffing firm owners wanting my advice and how i do something that's a great feeling 
it's a great feeling that knowing you're helping them and then them thinking that you have the expertise. And if I don't, I'll tell them I don't, but I'm going to find out because I want to know. You always have to keep learning, always have to keep your, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it, put your finger on the pulse and make sure you know what's happening. That also, that's going to affect your clients. Many times I'm reading articles on, let's say, a publishing company that's doing something. I'll send an article to a publishing company that I work with. And they loved it. So you're not only doing business with them to get the business, you're also helping them and being an advisor to them. They love that. Now, have I had my ups and downs with clients? Of course, everyone has. I remember I was um, interviewing somebody, a young man. This is many years ago. And you always ask, you know, have you ever worked, where have you worked temp um, in the past um, through another agency? So you get the lead. So he told me he worked for ABC company in Calabasas. That was a Friday. So on Tuesday, the following week, he also told me he worked for Susie, the HR manager. So the, the Tuesday, the following week, I went, did a cold call, and I went into um, ABC company in Calabasas. And there was a receptionist there, and a woman behind the receptionist telling her what to do on the computer, training her. And they said, can I help you? I said, yeah, my name is Joe Cummings. I'm with um, Royal Staffing. And I was wondering, though I know the answer already because the temp I interviewed the previous week told me that he used temps, wondering if your company ever utilized recruiting firms, staffing firms, to fill your temporary and direct hire needs. And I handed, let me preface, I did ask if Susie was available, and the woman that was standing behind the receptionist was Susie, the HR person. So I handed Susie my card after I said, do you use staffing firms? And she goes, yes, and we're very happy with... um, the company we're using. And she starts ripping up my business card in front of me. Not just once, but making it into small little pieces. So I'm working through that. And I said, well, suppose that staffing firm can't fill a position for you that you needed the next day. And it was a late afternoon position that you called into them. Do you have a backup just in case that happens? We'd love to be your backup. Haven't had that problem in the, future, in the past. I don't see it in the future. So as you can see, and she takes my shredded up um, business card over the trash and opens her palm of her hand and says, as you can see, there's no use for you. Well, four months later, guess who's in my office filling out an application? Uh, Susie? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Susie. I saw her and I... Um, called the reception when I'm back to my desk, getting coffee. I'm back to my desk and I called the receptionist. I said, Kathy, is her name Susie? And she looked over and saw her resume. She was, yeah. She shook her head, yes. Is, um, did she work at a company called ABC Company in Calabas? She looked over, yes. I went, we need to switch desks. <laughs> and I confronted her on it. And I said, oh, I remember you. And she goes, oh, we met? Yeah. You ripped up my business card right in front of me saying there was no use for me. I guess there is now. She denied doing it, but there's no point. I didn't interview her. One of the staff did. But the recruiter who interviewed her said, she doesn't care for you. So there are times that your personalities are not going to mesh. What we did with um, ITT years ago, and I still do it now, one of my coworkers, I couldn't get into Paramount, and she couldn't get into another company at Woodland Hills. So we switched. The day we switched, I got an order from her client, her prospective client, and she got an order from Paramount. I guess the change-up does work. It, it does. Tag-teaming and change-up. And... 
So that's one of your strategies. And yeah, and don't take it personal. Right. No, and again, don't take it personal. And you're, there are people in your life that you're not going to like. You're just not going to get along, and that's okay. We're all different. But you know, pass it on to someone else. Get the business somehow. And now, if if you have, have you encountered other people um, that kind of taught you that? I mean, is is there some? Is, was there a mentor or mentors along the way that kind of taught you that, or is that just something that you, by osmosis, developed that? Kind of a hard shell, but you're not a hard shell. It's not. It's it's more like an exoskeleton, because you're you're very open and you're not hard nosed about it. You're just, hey, I don't take it. It rolls off my back. You know, I think there was some. There were many people over the years that you take, you know, bits and pieces from. Some people more than others, but you 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 learn from other people, and sometimes other people's mistakes. You learn from them. There was one person that I met with CSP. And I was very impressed with him. I liked his background. I liked, I liked his personality. And I said, this was years ago. And I said, well, I want to be like him when I grow up. And I did eventually tell him that. And um, names will be not named. But um, I said, you know what? Years ago, when I first met you, I always said, I want to be like you. And he goes, no, Joe, I want to be like you. I'm like, what? No, you know more than I do. No. So I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from many other people. And then you, you, the biggest thing in this business and in any sales environment, because let's face it, we're all sales. We have to have no HR hat on because it's what we do. But you always have to listen. If you're talking and the client's talking, you're not listening. You've got to be quiet and shut up. And you have to listen to some of the smaller things the client's telling you about what he's looking, what he or she is looking for. And on the same side with the candidate. Never place someone in the wrong place. If it doesn't feel right, don't talk someone into a job because it's never going to work out. And it's going to make you look bad. And that's a very good point. And and uh, I think we've all experienced where our clients, they, they say they, they want someone, but they really want the right someone. And they're really pushing. They're pushed because they want to get that position filled. And uh, And you know that you don't have the right candidate. How do you hold them at bay? Or how do you teach your... Because you... You have some help nowadays. It's not just you, but it sounds like you like to jump in and you still work with your, you you work behind oh, the desk too. You're, I I do. I, I okay. First of all, yes. Do I can I do the ten payroll? Yes. Can I do the banking? Yes. Do I like it? No. <laughs> and that's why I have someone else doing it. My my forte is recruiting, client development, placement, and you know, getting the Royals name out there. And it's okay if you're not good with something to admit it. Don't do something half-assed. Do it right and know your weaknesses. If you know, I know my weaknesses doing payroll. I, I don't like, and I don't like it. So I, one of my employees does it. My um, accounting person, my HR manager and finance person does, does all that stuff. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do income statements. I want to see them, but I don't want to do them. <laughs> That's not what I'm good at. And I think the, the success came from sticking to something. Um, when I was offered to buy Royal in 2004, my first thought, well, okay, I never thought of being a business owner, but, you know, basically what I'm doing now, I'm running this office, I'm running this branch, what's the difference? And if she sold it to somebody else, maybe I won't like the person. <laughs> 
and I should be kicking myself that I should have bought it. So I think I, I, I know in my heart I made the right decision. I was with Royal for so many years before I purchased it, and it was it was my baby, and it still is. It sure is. In fact, I, I always think of it, you and Royal. Period. I in, until I was rereading your bio, I I forgot that other part that that you started there as an employee. Yes, and uh, and when worked I, your when way. I was twenty-four. Up. When I was twenty-four, I'm not twenty-four anymore. You aren't. You seem so young. I am sorry. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Flattery will get you everywhere, my friend. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, you know, we have to we we have to tell the truth, though. You have the energy um, and um, the drive of of a twenty four year old. Only the thing is, you have a lot more stru- you know, street smarts. You know, you you've got the. There's nothing more dangerous, in my opinion, than a person who has life experience but still has the energy of a kid. Truly, you are a, a force to be reckoned with when you're that person, and you're one of those. Someone has that ambition and the drive, and uh, and and the energy, and um, and also knows how stuff works. Now, although you don't know everything yet, that's one of the things about you is you're always learning. You're always yeah, learning. Always, always. If you say you know everything, then you know you could be slapped in the face the next day. No question. Once you say you heard every excuse known to man or heard every whatever, something's going to happen. So you always you can never say that because it's not true. But my my best story um, that always sticks out in my head when I was an employee here, um, this was over 20 years ago. Um, we placed Deborah. I placed Deborah, and Deborah, very good candidate, good skills, a little different, but that's okay. Um, and she um. I placed her in a long-term temp job, and I had a Friday, Friday morning from hell. It was, Michelle, it was an absolutely horrible morning. It was like the winds were blowing and the, the full moon and everything that could go wrong did go wrong. By 11.30, I fixed everything. Everything was fine. I said, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. I feel like an overpaid babysitter. You know, wah, wah, wah. The sales rep said, don't, no, no, just go to lunch. You'll, you'll feel better later. No, if I go to lunch now, I'm not going to come back. So I went down, took a walk around the building, and I realized I'd owed my soul to Chase Manhattan Mortgage Corporation. So I decided to stay. And at about a quarter to four, I said, no, no, I'm done. And I called up Rosemary, the previous owner, and I said, can you stand by the fax machine? I'm going to send someone a fax thing over to you. Um, well, you're going to make it quick because I want to go home. Sure. So I'm sitting at the fax machine, and Deborah came in to drop off. At, the t- at that time, people were dropping off the time cards. and not doing it electronically like they're doing now. But she dropped over a time card. I'm just, about, I'm just about to hit the start button on the um, fax machine. And she comes in. Hi, Joe. Hey, Deb. Here's my time card for the week. Thanks, Deb. And I'm just about to hit the start button again. She goes, no, Joe. I went, what? Thank you. I went, for what? For the roof over my head, the food on my plate, and the place I go to every day, because without you, I would be and have nothing. True story. So I took the piece of paper out of the fax machine. <laughs> and not being an overly, really religious person, I went out, I said, excuse me a second, I went out on the, on the walkway outside the office, and I looked up, and I pointed, okay, Lord, for some sick, twisted, demented reason, you want me to come back on Monday? I will, but you better show me why. And I thanked her for coming in. I thanked her for her words she said. But that story has always stuck out in my head. 
That is quite a story. And that's really raw uh, and great of you to share that you went through that because I think everybody goes through that, but not everybody shares that sort of experience. Everyone has thought that in whatever line of business, whatever job title they had, they had their crappy days they wanted to leave. And you know what? You just got to suck it up and it, it'll get better. And it did. And it, it got better within the three minutes that she, that girl was in, that Debbie was in the office. So does that kind of come up to a point where, I mean, is that one of the things that you would put up there with the hardest thing you've ever had to do with owner, manager, recruiter, you know, or in your, in your current role as far as just getting through a rough day or what is one of the hardest things you've ever had to do? And just as far as uh, dealing with a bad situation, obviously, you are overcoming your own self, I guess, burnout and just had it. But are, are there other instances that you might share or any other? People are going through so much. They're always going through so much, right? We, how many, how many, how many days of pandemic do we have to endure? How many, how many recessions do we have to endure? I mean, we've all gone through recessions. There's been the recession, there's been the great recession, and now there's this, whatever this dip is, uh, tied to the pandemic. Years from now, people can still listen to this podcast if they're going through their next thing, or if they're just getting started, or if they're just about ready to give up and send in that fax or call it a day. What, what always got me through, especially in 2010, and this was not an option. And you, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You just keep, you have to work harder, smarter, and faster. And you have to stay in contact with your clients because, yeah, they could be slow right now, but they will come back. It will come back. And you keep, and then once it does, you do your work and you keep, you keep on them that you're there for them and you're here, but if you need anything, they'll remember you. And they'll keep, they came back in 2011, 10, when that thing was over, they'll come back again. You know, even when even when the economy was doing so great prior to COVID, our challenge, especially in the recruiting industry, our challenge was finding the candidate, the good candidate, because they were all working. And a lot of the clients didn't want to go direct hire. They wanted to go temp to hire. And I'm telling them, guys, the market out there is so – it's an applicant market. They're not going to leave their regular full-time job to go temp to hire. You have to go direct hire on this. Most agreed and did a direct hire. Some were sticklers and – only wanted to temp tire, and I didn't have a candidate, and nor did anybody else for that matter. So you how do you sell work? stuff if you don't have stuff to sell? <laughs> well, That's, we forget about those. Those days existed just a few months ago. Exactly, four months ago. Four months ago, April, May, June, or yeah, four months. And again, it will come back. You know, it's like there's a there's a buyer's market and a seller's market with real estate. There's an applicant market. There's a client market with with um, staffing and recruiting. You just have to switch gears, and you always have to keep in touch. We do what we do every month. We go through our database, and the applicants love it because they feel that we're not forgetting about them, just making sure they're still available. Um, do they know anyone else else that's looking? Um, and it's a great way to keep the database fresh and clean. And you get more candidates. 
Word of mouth and referral is the majority of the way we get our people in the door, our candidates in the door, and our clients. There was one time that um, a couple of years ago, a new client called because another client referred this new client, and um, they wanted to give us four IT tier one, you know, technical support positions to fill for them. And um, I got down. They wanted to go attempt to hire. And I asked them at the end of the conversation, what would you pay these individuals once the position goes onto your payroll? Oh, great question. We want you to pay them $12 an hour. By the way, they wanted a four-year degree as well. And when we flip them to direct hire, uh, onto our payroll, we want to pay them 13 And sometimes you need to walk away and not take the order, not take the client, because you'd be wasting your time. And time is too much of a valued commodity that we don't have enough time in the day anymore. So I told the client, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And she said, she was the CFO calling because HR was busy. You're turning down business? No, but I'm turning down you setting me up to fail. Yes, I'll find four people for you for $12 an hour. And in a month from now, a month and a half from now, two months, they'll leave because they'll get a job paying $15, 16 19 $20 an hour. And you won't take the blame for it. You'll say that Royals people don't last. Well, they didn't last because you were paying too low. And then she thought about it. And I said, let me give you an example. I'm assuming, I know this is a big assumption, but I'm assuming you have a, um, a child that is either just graduated college looking for a job or will be graduating college. And suppose I find his or her resume online through my sources, and I call this person not knowing he's related, he or she is related to you, and um, I bring him in, I set up the interview, and it's for your company. And he says, Mom, by the way, I got an interview from Joe at Royal Staffing with your company. How would you feel after you paid $100,000 for his or her education? How would you feel that he, your child is getting a job for $12 an hour after, again, what you paid? Long pause. What do I have to pay? Minimum. Minimum. 17 an hour. Maybe as high as 21. And she agreed. And I filled them all. And they stayed. And they're still good, there that three years ago. Wow. And and you educated your client in in the in the most professional way, it sounds like. Right. They got well, they got gonna, some real gonna, information. Right, you're not gonna um you know take them over the coals, but you know, you you have to educate not only the client, but you have to also educate the the candidate. Sometimes the candidate thinks that they're worth a hundred grand and they're not. And you don't want to hurt their feelings, but you have to educate them saying, I'm not telling you you're not gonna be ever gonna be worth a hundred grand. But not right now, not right out of college with no work experience. You've got to start somewhere. And I tell them, if you don't believe me, I want you to find a job on your own for a week. Then I want you to call me. So this was a Monday. I want you to call me on a week from a week today. And let me know what you found, how many interviews you got, and we'll work from there. He didn't wait till Monday. He called me Thursday. Okay. I'll go down to third I'll go down to thirty five or forty. Again, you're not going to be there all your life. This is a stepping stone. You may get another job within the company paying you more money. Or you take the expertise you've learned from this place that we put you, and you take it someplace else for more. And that's counseling on the other side, too. So it's counseling the candidates, counseling the clients. It's counseling everybody. 
Right. And then I'm, working with a, I'm working with a client now, and sometimes the client doesn't get back to you, or the candidates get back to you, which drives me crazy. But you keep on them, you keep on them, and I'm working with a client now who's the chief operating officer of this organization. He calls me five minutes after every interview he does with our candidates. And I told him last night, because I talked to him at about 6.15 last night, and I said, i got to tell you, thank you so much for your feedback. He goes, well, we're partners in this. I need your help, and you have the, you have the people. Why wouldn't I give you feedback? I went, can you tell some of my other clients that don't call you back as, as quickly as you do? <laughs> it sounds like you have someone you want to monitor. That's your ideal client. And, and I bet they also oh – they my also, God, yes. Yeah. God, yes. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a true partnership. You know, you're working with them to fill the need that he has because he's taking – HR is not his role. He's over HR, but that's not his job. And then now the job is empty, and he needs help filling it. And he's not using any other recruiter. He's only using us. And um, I have to deliver. We have to deliver. Now, how did you get him to that point? I mean, did you did you first of all, how did that particular client and other clients like him that actually behave? Do you do you have sort of a spiel that you go through to train them on what you expect, and then try and push for that? Of course, we can't make clients behave. Right. But right. How do you do that? What I, what I do with the clients is the same thing as I do with the candidate. Um, I'm, I'm more playful with the candidate than I am with the verbiage with the client. But with the candidate, okay, here's the deal. I got you on this. I got you this interview. When you get out of the interview and into your car, you don't call your mother or your spouse or your sister or your brother. You call me. I want to know how that interview went because I want to know what's going on just in case the client calls me and says and then tells me they want you. So I can tell them that you're interested too. So don't forget, don't do this that, then that morning, I'll shoot them an email and I'll say, hey, good luck on the interview today. I look forward to talking to you right after you get out of the, out of the door. And on the client side, and I, I'm, I'm not that direct, I'll just say, you know what would help me a lot, helping you? And they say, sure what? I need you to give me feedback right after you speak with the candidate, if at all possible, because it helps me. If it wasn't a right fit the first time, it helps me understand better what you're looking for if you give me the feedback while it's fresh in your head. I would say 70% do let me know as soon, but there's the 30 that drives you crazy and don't do it. So I'll email them. I'm waiting. <laughs> Smiley face or ha-ha. And eventually they come around most of the time. Absolutely. By, the time. You know, by the, in the worst case, it's the next day. But the majority, the majority do let me know soon, within, the, within an hour, the client, how the interview went. Now, as, as far as this audience we, you know, that's listening to this podcast uh, today, tomorrow, two years from now, if you could talk to younger Joe Cummings about this industry, and tell yourself something. Um, again, you're still very young. So, uh, what would you tell yourself? I mean, would you do anything phenomenally different? Would you have words of wisdom that you'd want to give yourself to, to, to sort of fast forward? October 1988. Don't put your feet on the desk and, and wait for the placements to happen. They're not going to happen. <laughs> you always learn. Boy, that really blazed into your soul. It does. It did. I made a mistake. I made a huge mistake. I rested on my laurels 
thinking – the client told me we're going to have four offers for these four candidates of yours. I'm like, why would I not believe them? And something happened internally, which I had no control over. The company took another direction, and all hiring was ceased. I couldn't foresee that. But um, <clears throat> what would I tell myself? Um, stick to it. Um, you'll have amazing days. You'll have more amazing days and good days than bad days. Tenacity. You know, it's like doing push-ups. Everyone hates doing push-ups. Everyone hates running or walking or exercising. But you got to do. You, you need to do it. And you just keep stick to it. Stick to it. And the longer you're with something, the more you know about it, and you become hopefully an expert in it, and you get respected for it. And and it's the important thing is also to give back. You have to give back to the industry that you're making your money in. That's why I got involved with CSP on the chapter level in Los Angeles, and was I was president of Los Angeles for five years. Then, thanks to the pushing of Joe Mackey, it's time, Joe. You got to move up. <laughs> <laughs> you suckered me into it, and I'm glad I did. Then I moved on to the state side and um, was president for CFCSP State for two years. Chaired a conference, involved in the organization, now dealing with the industry partners that I so respect and love the majority of them because they're helping us be more successful recruiters by supporting us. They're giving back, too. They're part of that, that mantra. Absolutely. They're giving back. Especially now, Michelle, with your vital talks, you have vendors. You have our industry partners talking on certain things and educating us on what they've learned to give their, their, their information back to us. And also, use the people you know. I mean, I've done many splits with other CSP members on placements. Many. And there's something what half a fee is better than no fee. Absolutely. You can do more. And it's, it's, right. uh, it's one of those things. I don't know about you, but a lot of people experience this with their, their clients. Their clients or pers- prospective clients will say, even candidates will say, well, how big is your firm? And the beautiful thing when you're part of a big network association is as big as it needs to be. As right. big as it needs to be. I mean, I'm one person and I have X number of full-time staff, but I also have this network that's huge and I can be as big as I want to be. You can honestly say that when you're part of an organization or have a network like you have on two continents and more, maybe the moon. And that's, and that's how the island thing happened. I had another recruiter friend call and said, um, and he was frustrated. And this is before I owned the company. He was frustrated. He couldn't find this candidate for right candidate for the job. He calls just being just to steam because you know sometimes it's you know if your spouse is not in the industry with you, um, you know you want to talk to somebody else about what's frustrating you because they get it and they can give you bits and pieces and help to you know to help the situation. So this one recruiter called up and says, um, "I need you." I went, "Excuse me, I need someone who's um, had multiple years in the staffing industry, managed multiple recruiters, multiple offices." I need a you, but the damn job's in Dublin, Ireland, and they have to be an Irish citizen. And I said, I am one. And he said an expletive, saying, <laughs> not. You are so something not. And I said, you were born in New York. I went, yes, but I have my Irish passport. How? Well, because my mother was born there, and the rule is if, if your mother or father was born in Ireland, you're automatically an Irish citizen. And to get your passport, you have to prove the lineage. I had to prove my lineage from my mother to me, 
and I've had my my Irish passport since 2001. No, longer than that. Longer than that. And uh, he goes, are you freaking kidding me? He goes, meet me at the um, at the bar and bring your passport. I got home. My wife says, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to um, meet this person for a drink. Why are you bringing your passport? Well, your Irish passport. Well, he wants to see it. Why? I don't know. Well, he doesn't believe I have it. So I got to the bar, and I, he was at the bar, and I threw it at him at the, across the, the bar. And he goes, holy crap, you're not lying to me. Do you want to hear about this job? And again, this is before, you know, I owned the company. I said, sure, I'll listen. Long story short, I had multiple phone calls with the um, general director of the company in Ireland, which was a um, national, uh, multinational firm based here in the, in the United States. And Peter and I got along very well, the managing director. Got along very well. And um, about a month after the conversation started, the previous owner of Royal offers me to buy the job. I'm like, buy the company. I'm like, are you kidding me? Shoot, what do I do? Long story short, I go to Ireland. I check out the opportunity. It just wasn't the right fit for me. At the time, my daughter Megan was... Um, in seventh grade, um, we would have to move. It just wasn't the right time. So I turned him down, but we stayed in contact. And he said, hey, a couple months later, hey, um, your, our mutual friend does not work on this search. Would you do it for us? We're looking for a controller um, for the Dublin office and an IT person for our Paris office. Can you do that? Um, send me a proposal on cost. Sure. Got the job. I was there for 10 days. Started the recruiting process, of course, you know, before I left. Um, met the candidates. Made the two hires. And um, then it snowballed for, to more business with them. And also, he knew other companies. And he gave my name to other companies. And they hired me. So I had one time four clients in Ireland. And now I have three. But one of them has kept me busy for um, very busy the past um, and um, I, go, I used to go two or four times a year. Now, because we're well, we're busy. We, we, we were busier here. Um, I only had time to do it once a year. And they like dealing with me. They like, um, especially the accounting and finance area. They like dealing with me. I like dealing with them. And that's you know, you just you got to deliver. If you don't deliver in any business you do, any job you do, they're not going to call you back. Well, that is quite a story. That's amazing. Um, that's all part of you being open. Um, that, that first thing you talked about is keeping an open mind and mm-hmm. be, keep going and, and treating people Don't well. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something new. I could have even said, no, I can't fill those jobs. Well, why can't I fill those jobs? I fill those jobs here. Why can't I fill them there? So you have to keep an open mind and always challenge yourself. And as you well know, Michelle, and Tom will back you up, back me up on this too. You know, this business, it's challenging, but it also can be very rewarding in more ways than money. And you mentioned something about um, me being known. I'm not known as Joe Cummings. I'm known, my, my first name is Joe, my middle name is From, and my last name is Royal. Joe from Royal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I, I'll, I, that day, aren't you call Joe from Royal? <laughs> it's like Joe the Plumber. <laughs> no, that is really true, actually. That's really true. Um, that's how you were introduced to me many, many years ago, too. 
Yeah. Um, this is Joe from Royal. Okay. Yeah. Middle name, middle name from, last name Royal. Well, Royal's not a bad name. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I'm okay uh, with it. <laughs> you've just been so phenomenal and in sharing so much valuable information. I know anyone who listens to this podcast is going to get a huge bunch of knowledge, uh, lots of nuggets that they can apply. You've really broken it down into really simple, easy to digest things that they can actually do, actual action points. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Because we've taken so much of your time today. I I don't want to keep too much longer, Joe, but do you have any other bits of wisdom that you want to tell our, our listeners? Stick to it. Learn. Educate and tenacity. You stick, you, you stick to those four things, um, you'll be successful. And be good at what you do. And if you're not, and, and if you're, if you're lacking in something, learn it. You know, every day you learn something. The day I stop learning is the day we all die. You gotta keep, um, your nose to the grindstone as the old thing goes. And you keep on pushing forward. Yes, you'll have great days. And yes, you'll have bad days. But, Stick to it, and um, this industry will reward you because you were you rewarding you rewarding yourself. Those are awesome words of wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Joe. We'll we'll keep tabs on you, Joe from Royal, also known as Joe, Joe Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> I should say I should get a domain. You know, www.joefromroyal.com. <laughs> I just thought of that. Well, that's part of, you know, Joe 2.0, right? Uh, that's maybe exactly. your next adventure. Keep your name out awesome. there. Awesome. Make, make, make posts on LinkedIn. Um, make, um, social media is great. Get your name out there and make it happen. All right, everyone. Make it happen. You heard it from Joe Cummings, Royal Associates, also known as Royal Staffing, also known as Joe from Royal. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of CSP's Visionary Thinkers Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed hearing our guest thinker's story. If you'd like to hear more visionary thinkers reveal their journey through the staffing and recruiting industry, please subscribe via your favorite podcast source. And please tell your friends and colleagues to tune in as well. For more information about the California staffing professionals and how we can help you in your staffing and recruiting business, visit our website at cspnet.org. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Until next time, this is your host, Michelle Tasneri, saying stay vital with CSP.